this is WTM. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W. G. M. Watch this movie. All right, let's start the show. This is WTM Watch This Movie, and I am Eric Mulder. You're sorry. Check my shorts for Christ's sake. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Brett. Chicken dippers! Trying to put on a happy face. <laughs> why is that? I don't you. get it. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> well, we'll get into it later. <laughs> Well, I thought you could have just been talking about Joker. It <laughs> it works on many levels. <laughs> uh, yes, today we are just doing a recently seen episode, and we both saw Joker. Yeah. We did. And uh, we were both, well, one of us was protected by the uh, local police <laughs> at the theater so that nobody would see the movie, and then be incited to go commit a mass shooting (laughs) after seeing the movie because there was a police officer standing right outside the auditorium as the movie ended. Mm -hmm. So thank you for keeping me safe. (laughs) Seen that uh, funny meme going around of, uh, I think it's from Spider-Man 3, Tobey Maguire and James Franco. It's a shot of Tommy McGuire in a theater, like looking happy, watching something. Oh yeah. And it's like me enjoying Joker way too much, and then it shows a picture of James Franco up in the balcony, looking down at him, like all suspiciously. And it's like the undercover cop watching me. <laughs> I have not seen that, but yeah, I've I don't I've lost count of how many articles I've seen. Just this past like couple weeks about how Joker is gonna incite people to commit real acts of violence, and it's like there's maybe four, five violent scenes in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's like no more violent than vir- virtually any other R-rated, you know, crime drama. Yeah, but uh, the media. Is doing their darndest to will it into existence so it becomes a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Yeah, they really, uh, they're really pumping that all week. <laughs> Although, you know, there's those protests in Hong Kong got pretty violent. You know, people were wearing masks out there, so they must have got, you know, out of seeing the Joker. And they're like, well, we got to go protest the government now and start attacking the police. <laughs> or the... 12th straight week or whatever it was well it must have been incited by a joker there can can be no other explanation freedom isn't free i also have to fucking feed brett we're not even to it yet but i i read an opinion piece uh yesterday about how the joker is the reason why white people voted for trump (laughs) (laughs) Like, I couldn't wrap my head around that logic. <laughs> Isn't it obvious, Brett? 
Is that a New York Times opinion piece or is that CNN? <laughs> CNN. Okay. So, and they actually labeled it as opinion, so not technically hashtag fake news. <laughs> yep, not quite. All right, well, uh, let's get into it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Well, we both saw Joker. Oh, good for you. And how was it? Well, we're about to tell you. I insist on putting the in front of the title. Just because. You insist? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because it's awkward to say Joker in most contexts. (laughs) I went to see Joker. No, I went to see the Joker. No, you went to see Joker. (laughs) I'm one of those guys. I put buzz where they don't belong. <laughs> and then I'm going to blame the Mandela effect in about three years when I realize that it's not called The Joker. It's called Joker. <laughs> Joker from 2019, directed by Todd Phillips. Also written by Todd Phillips and Scott Silver. Todd Phillips is uh, he's not having a good day or a, a good couple weeks with the media. Apparently, yeah. People just... They're couldn't, saying mean couldn't handle his comments. They're saying mean things to him, and then he's like, "This is why I don't do funny stuff anymore." And they're <laughs> like, "You can't say that. <laughs> That's not funny." And he only directed, you know, the biggest box office comedy franchise ever. <laughs> <laughs> not that they're all good. I'm just people love the biggest box office. People so. love The Hangover when it came out. I didn't think it was so great, but. It was critically acclaimed. And now people act like nobody ever liked it, ever. Yeah, that was my main worry with this movie coming in, that it was directed by Todd Phillips. Yeah. Because, like, for example, I like Old School quite a bit. I like The Hangover, at least, you know, I haven't watched it in a long time, but Mm -hmm. I liked it when it came out. But those movies were huge smash hits when they came out. I remember after I saw both of them, after each one, I thought to myself, this should have been funnier. <laughs> like the, the premises they had right. and the cast. I'm like, should have been funnier. Oh, he also did, uh, he directed Due Date. Mm-hmm. Road Trip as well, correct. Uh, and Starsky and Hutch and the School for Scoundrels remake. Yeah, none uh, of those he did. Good. He did Road Trip. Yeah, they're all I kinda... didn't mind Road Trip, but Road Trip's not good. <laughs> like, like most... I enjoy it, but. Actually, old school I liked. Starsky and Hutch I saw in the theater and it was pretty funny, but I've never seen it since. School for Scoundrels I haven't seen. Due Date was not very good. And then he did War Dogs was his last one before Joker. Yeah. Oh, he's directing the untitled Hulk Hogan biopic. Ooh. So we'll see how that goes. Do they have a cast list? Who's going to play Hulk? Uh, Terry? Well, they announced Liam Neeson's. Or uh, not Liam (laughs) Liam Neeson's. Chris Hemsworth. The other, not, not Liam, <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. Liam Neeson. <laughs> I was going to say Liam Hemsworth, and it came out Neeson. <laughs> it's uh, Thor. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is playing. Oh, wait. Terry Balea. I think that'll work. They announced that a few months ago. I didn't realize Todd Phillips was directing. <laughs> so, that'll be interesting. All right. Well, let's get to the cast list here. Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, uh, Zazie Beetz, Francis Conroy, Brett Cullen, Shea Wingham, Bill Camp, 
Leigh Gill, Mark Marin has an appearance. That's about it. Synopsis. In Gotham City, mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck embarks on a downward spiral of social revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face-to-face with his infamous alter ego, the Joker. I just noticed uh, Brian Tyree Henry has a small part also. Ah. He's the uh, the records clerk. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll start off by saying I thought Joaquin Phoenix was terrific in here. Uh, although I'm not so sure about Oscar talk because I've seen several performances from him that were better. I thought he was fantastic too, yeah. but like, I don't know, like half these people I see getting Oscar buzz for actor nominations. I'm like, really? I don't know. But uh, he was, he's one of the better ones of the, uh, yeah, you know, people that I've heard talked about. Cause like just in the last couple of weeks, I've heard Brad Pitt for Ad Astra and uh robert downey jr for endgame and once upon a time even brad pitt and leo are both getting consideration for they're not really sure where to put him yet yeah at least leo would be best actor they might try and put brad pitt in supporting right and then for ad astra brad would be best best actor nom but Mm -hmm. i thought uh joaquin phoenix was better than both (laughs) both of those performances as the Joker. Hmm. But, yeah, he's probably borderline for, for Oscar nom, in my opinion. But, yeah. you know, I don't know how many people they nominate, but you might as well just throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the movie, <laughs> it's kind of like his other films. I kind of thought it should have been a little better. Like, if I just went in... You know, clean slate with Phillips and all that, like not really worried about it or just mm-hmm. like, you know, the main draw for me was Joaquin Phoenix and he didn't disappoint. Yeah. And I was, I don't know, I, I still, I liked the movie overall. I thought it was good, but I was just like, mm. yeah, I had a high hopes coming in. Um, the trailers got me like the first trailer, the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, maybe. And then the subsequent viewings and trailers that I've seen were they got me pretty hyped for it and then uh film festival it gave it the the top prize I forget but uh one of the European ones I forget is it Venice it might have been Venice yeah and so then it's like maybe it's actually a good movie like I wasn't expecting that but then like the last couple weeks before it came out everybody started shitting on it again because of what Todd Phillips said, and then them shutting down the uh, media from coming to the premiere. People didn't like that for some reason. Yeah. But I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like, it was good, but it wasn't, like, I didn't think it was spectacular. Yeah, it was funny how all the critics thought it was a masterpiece until, uh, like, the past two weeks. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes score did a nosedive to like, it's at like 70 now. Yeah. Cause when it was uh, in the nineties. And then like the, over the past two weeks, you know, oh, there's going to be uh there's gonna be incel attacks. Right. And then it's like, all of a sudden it's 70%. And then Todd Phillips says something about you can't please woke culture anymore. Yeah. And well, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show you. 
I did see one more uh, one uh, publication that's more right leaning, talk about how it resembles more of a Antifa message. Like he represents yeah. Antifa more than incels, yeah, which definitely. I can see that because he he kind of rises up against the one percent mm-hmm. and the uh, as do his followers. <laughs> yeah, and then all the people that kind of jump on board show up with masks and start protesting Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's. Start attacking rich people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like that narrative seems to fit more of what actually happens in the movie than the whole. Oh, he's an incel, and he's you know all these rich people are having sex. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. So, but yeah, I thought you know I was with it for most of the movie, and I'm like, yeah, this, this is pretty good. I can get with this, and then you know it felt like they're building to something pretty big towards the end and then it just kind of i thought it would it fell a little flat the the climax was a little underwhelming and i i i don't know if it's my expectations or if it actually was kind of a a letdown but uh to me it felt like a little bit of a letdown so Mm -hmm. that kind of uh brought a little of a uh lessened uh i don't know how to describe it like it lessened my enjoyment of the movie mm-hmm. what did you think of his laugh i wasn't on board earlier on in the in the film but as it went along it kind of grew on me yeah like i didn't it seems so unnatural at first right and then the there was the question of whether it was a a a condition or if he was doing it on purpose Mm-hmm. Right. And then, but, uh, I did, I tried not to compare him to other jokers as much as I could. I tried to, you know, just kind of let him be his own thing. Yeah. Personally, I still think Heath Ledger is my favorite joker. Yeah. I'd probably say Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson I'd like better than Joaquin's. Yeah. Uh, Jack, I don't know. I never really got into Jack because I didn't see that movie till. Maybe, I don't know. I probably saw it after Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it's just Jack Nicholson, so. Yeah. It's a, it's a they're both different types of films, right. too, because it's already where Joker is Joker. Mm-hmm. This is him becoming Joker. You know? Right. And so, like, and even in this one, like, he doesn't quite get to the Joker that you, you might know uh, by the end of the movie. Like, he's still kind of finding himself well i guess in batman 89 technically jack nicholson isn't joker at the beginning right but he falls in the acid right away yeah and there isn't like a long drawn out scene it's pretty much he's he shows up the next scene he's fucking joker Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was different you know his was a little more uh cartoonish yeah whereas heath ledger and bucking phoenix were definitely more Grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. But all the DC connections, I kind of liked how they handled them, surprisingly, I guess. But I know they're not going to be for everyone. But then again, I think the people that would disagree with the DC connections are only interpreting it one way. Yeah. I was actually a little surprised that they hit as much as they did as far as connecting it to other characters in the dc uh it is kind of jarring even when they just say gotham You're yeah like, oh yeah they're 
This is where Batman grew up. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I will give it an eventually. I agree with that, eventually. All right. Eventually. So I guess I will go next. I saw a cult horror film that I've been meaning to see for quite a while. It is called House from 1985. Ooh, not Doctor House. <laughs> it's kind of a it's a comedy horror film. There's too many things called House. Yep. Spoilers. <laughs> Uh, directed by Steve Miner, who we, uh, talked about from, you know, Friday the 13th. He directed part two and I believe part three. Let's see here. Yeah, I think so. He also directed Warlock and Halloween H2O. I like H2O. Directed a lot of TV more recently, but yeah, he did, uh, Friday the 13th, two and three. He also did uh, one of your personal favorites, Soul Man from 86. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can only imagine because I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I thought you did see it. No, that's on my. That's one of the, the ones that are like, if I can ever find a chance to watch <laughs> this movie, I, I'm going to watch it. Okay. It seems to have kind of fallen out of favor with the programmers at the various <laughs> streaming and... Uh, uh, premium. As Philip said, channels. you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't please the woke culture. Uh, <laughs> House stars William Cat, Kay Lenz, George Went, Richard Mole, Mary Stavin, Michael Ensign. Ensign? That's about it. Synopsis. A troubled writer moves into a haunted house after inheriting it from his aunt. So William Cat, if you don't know, never heard of a story like that before. <laughs> yeah, uh, William Cat is uh, Tommy from Carrie, the movie Carrie. He's the uh, popular boy that's going to bring her to prom. Okay, flowing golden locks. Yeah, that guy. We did an episode on Carrie. Mm-hmm. Go go look through your our uh, our backlog to find out more thoughts on Tommy. It was from last year's horror extravaganza. I correct? believe so. Yeah. yeah, that was a that was a Jason pick. Yeah, Jason pick. I was one of for our new listeners. You have no idea who that is, and <laughs> you're welcome. Previous previous <laughs> previous co-hosts. I assume he doesn't listen anymore <laughs> until you hear about it at work. <laughs> I don't talk to him. <laughs> Um. Uh, so yeah, he plays a horror writer, much like uh, like a Stephen King, and uh, he decides he's gonna write about his experiences in Vietnam because he's a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. and so he's gonna go into seclusion because uh, he's going through a uh, divorce with his wife. Their son had uh, mysteriously disappeared somewhat recently, which kind of led to their problems. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot going on in life. Not having an easy go, and so he, uh, you know, heads off into seclusion in this big mansion. And uh, his aunt had uh, claimed that it was haunted, but they kind of chalked it up to her, you know, being crazy. Uh-huh. But he finds out soon enough, she was not lying. Uh, this movie was pretty fun. George went. 
it's always fun to see George Went in there. It's funny because uh, uh, <laughs> has just a cast of basically eighties TV characters. Yeah, because uh, Richard Mole played Bull in Night Court, and he's in here. And then in House Two, John Ratzenberger is in that. Okay. So it's like Cheers alum are in <laughs> both house movies, which is kind of funny. What else? Uh, there's some great special effects, practical. You know, it's very cheesy and kind of cheap looking almost, but it's pretty creative and uh-huh. it's a lot of fun. Um, I guess I could see why this has kind of turned into kind of a, a cult horror comedy. Uh-huh. I guess the second one places more of an emphasis on the comedy okay so definitely look to uh, check that out soon i believe that's still on shutter because shutter had the second one but not the first so i watched this one on amazon prime and then i think i'll probably go to shutter for the second yeah i it's kind of in between for me yeah but i think there's enough fun to be had that it's worth checking out i will give it and eventually all right Eventually. It's a soft event. Surely. <laughs> so I watched a uh, cult classic horror comedy called House. <laughs> Yours is, I think, pronounced Houseu. Originally known as Houseu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it came out in 1977. It is Japanese. Mm-hmm. So I did, it was in subtitles. Oh my god, I can't pronounce any of these names. Uh, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi. This is why we need Jason on the podcast. I know. He puts that that accent on. Yeah. Uh, starring Oshari. No, that's the, that's the character name. <laughs> Kimiko Ikigami. Miki Jinbo. Kimiko Oba. Uh, Ai Matsubara, Mieko Sato, Eriko Tanaka, Masayo Miyako, uh, Kiyohiko Ozaki. That's probably good enough. A synopsis, a schoolgirl and six of her classmates travel to her aunt's country home, which turns out to be haunted. This is like a fucking fever dream. It is. <laughs> fucking wild. Just a a strange mishmash of like uh special effects, just very unusual special effects and editing and just strange music score and just oh, it's, it's just unusual. I don't even know how to describe it. So yeah, the basis of the story is there's a there's a schoolgirl. She's supposed to go. You know, it's it's summer vacation, and she's gonna go uh, on vacation with her father for the summer. Her friends are going to some kind of training camp, and then uh, things happen, and everything falls apart. So she's like. Let's uh let's go to my aunt's house. I haven't seen her in ten years. Uh, y'all are invited. I'll write her a letter to make sure it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
they head on over there and uh weird shit goes down at the aunt's house and it's uh it's a wild ride they all kind of start uh getting picked off one by one and it's kind of a horror movie because they they do get you know kind of gruesomely taken out mm-hmm. but it's also comedic i read that the director's 10-year-old daughter wrote most of the the, the killing scenes <laughs> <laughs> makes sense which makes sense if you watch <laughs> it cuz there's I mean, it's it's very strange, uh, very experimental, from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those movies where you almost have to see it to believe it. Yeah, but it's it's definitely not for everyone. I'll give it a last resort. All right, it's a last resort. Yeah, that one was kind of tough for me when I saw it too. I was like, well, I could. It's well made. It's experimental, it's ambitious, right? but it's so bizarre. You're just like, I don't know how many times I would watch it. And the, the tone shifts, mm-hmm. the tone shifts so many times from, like, you'll have, like, a a violent scene where somebody's getting killed, and then it'll flip back, and it'll just be, like, this cheery, you know, happy music, like you might hear in a children's program. Yeah. And it's like... You know, is this supposed to be funny or I don't know. It's 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 just unusual. <laughs> that it is. But uh, I mean, if you're into the, that kind of stuff, you might like it. If you're uh, you know, want something more straightforward, that is definitely not the one for you. Mm. All right. The final film I'm going to talk about is from 1978, Foul Play, directed by Colin Higgins, also written by Colin Higgins, starring Goldie Hawn, Chevy Chase, your boy Burgess Meredith, oh yeah, Rachel Roberts, old, Eugene Roche, old Burgess from, uh, <laughs> might know him from the Twilight Zone or of Mice and Men, <laughs> yeah. Although, wait, he's not in Mice and Men. The Gary Sinise one? No. The older one, yeah. No, it was him and Lon Chaney Jr. Okay. He was uh, George. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to see that one. It's pretty good. That's where, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, Lon Chaney Jr. plays Lenny, Mm -hmm. and there's like a whole bunch of Looney Tunes where they have characters that are based off of that. Yep. The original Lenny and the okay. voice is virtually identical. Okay. So like as soon as if you watch it, as soon as Lon Chaney starts talking, you're like, I know that voice. <laughs> I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Uh Dudley Moore is also in here. Brian Dennehy. Is he, does he play a real jerk? Dennehy? Yeah. Uh he plays a cop. He's I'm so surprised. Maybe a, a bit of a skeptic, maybe. I don't know. Okay. I'm so surprised that he plays a cop. Billy Barty is in here. I don't know who that is. Famous uh, little person actor from yesteryear. Okay. Uh, Don Calfa, Frances Bay. You know her as uh, Happy Gilmore's grandma. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John Hancock. <laughs> He's in here. <laughs> 
two years after the bicentennial. Ooh. Yeah, he's 200 and some when he played the role. Uh, <laughs> synopsis. A shy San Francisco librarian and a bumbling cop fall in love as they solve a crime involving albinos, dwarves, and the Catholic Church. <laughs> you might have sold me already. because <laughs> 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 you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm like... I should assign this to Brett. <laughs> it's got Burgess Meredith. It's got a dwarf. It's got an albino. <laughs> you know, gave you pause at first. I'm like, well, I know he doesn't really like Chevy Chase. <laughs> Which is why you would skip this movie. But I've always kind of heard good things. It has a 6.8 on IMDb, which is pretty high for a movie from 7.8 that's kind of of that ilk. Yeah. You don't really, nobody really talks about fall play these days, you know? I don't think I've heard of it until you mentioned it. Yeah. I'd always used to see it a lot in movie stores. Uh-huh. Like I always remember the cover, you know, DVD to the VHS that I was, it was always really cheap looking. Looked like it didn't, wouldn't have any special features, just kind of a, you know, it was Chevy Chase's first movie, uh, pretty much after uh, starting at live. Okay. At least his first starring role. Although it's much more of a Goldie Hawn picture. Mm-hmm. He kind of co-stars. I used to like Goldie Hawn quite a bit growing up. You know, she doesn't work that much anymore, but... No. Love me some Goldie back in the day. <laughs> also a big Chevy Chase fan of, I guess, his earlier work. <laughs> um, This movie was a lot of fun. It's, it's a, a bit of an homage to detective noir films from the 40s and 50s. And it's, I guess, updated to 78 with, you know, a comedic bent to it. So, yeah, she kind of, by no fault of her own, Goldie gets caught up in this, I guess, scheme to kill the uh, the Pope <laughs> okay. from these criminals. And there's like a microfilm that they're trying to get. And like a spy had sneaked it in her purse and she was, you know, none the wiser. So all these hitmen are after her and. She doesn't know why. and Very Hitchcockian. Yeah. One of the feared hitmen that nobody's seen is supposed to be a, a dwarf. Okay. So when a dwarf shows up to Goldie Hawn's apartment, it's actually a, just an innocent Bible salesman. <laughs> but she, she doesn't know that. And I'll just say I laughed my fucking ass off at that scene. And I think you would too. I was like, after I saw that scene, I was like, I think Brett needs to fucking watch this. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. Um, I mean, I tell you, a story can make up for uh, a <laughs> cast a lot of times. <laughs> uh, I thought it was kind of unique because you don't really see movies like that these days. I mean, it's pretty rare to see an homage to a film noir. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm no expert on noir films. I haven't seen all that many, Hmm. but I guess I've seen a few other parodies of the like, and I'm like, yeah, I can relate. (laughs) But yeah, this was fun. Uh, Chevy Chase isn't his usual Chevy Chase self Mm -hmm. that he would become in the eighties with like his Fletch character and Caddyshack. And he isn't like that. Like he's, he's much more of a smart ass than later of his, in the later films. Okay. But uh, he he was fine. He didn't blow me out of the water or anything. He wasn't too funny. 
plays more of a, a straight man, you know, a, a bit of a, like it said, a bumbling cop, but um, yeah, I, this was pretty enjoyable. Um, another one that's kind of in between for me, because I, I mean, you know, eventually it's required viewing, Yeah. but I think he can do far worse and who doesn't want to, you know, see a movie with albinos and dwarves in it. <laughs> so I will say eventually. There you go. Eventually. And now we come to the movie challenge segment. Yeah. This last recently seen episode, I challenged you to watch Antichrist. And uh, we're going to talk about it now without spoilers. And uh, by the way, fuck you. <laughs> 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 and then uh, uh, after that, we'll kind of wrap up the show. And then if you want to stick around for spoilers, if you've seen it. And I'll, I'll challenge Mulder for next recently seen before we, we get into spoilers also. Yeah. But yeah, then we'll kind of wrap up the show and get into spoilers. And then then we'll end it for realsies after that. But uh, All right. go ahead. You have the floor. <laughs> uh, 2009's Antichrist was written and directed by Lars von Trier. It stars Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg with an appearance by Storm Achechi Selstrom. Big cast. <laughs> Uh, synopsis, a grieving couple retreat to their cabin in the woods, hoping to repair their broken hearts and trouble the marriage, but nature takes its course and things go from bad to worse. <laughs> yeah, just a word of advice. If you're going to watch this, don't, don't fucking eat while you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, it was a full disclosure. It was a bit of a, a perfect storm. Because my stomach was a little wonky already that day. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Joker right after work. <laughs> and then I picked up something to eat. And then I watched Antichrist right when I got home while I was eating. <laughs> and the, the Antichrist is legitimately gut-wrenching. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some uh, some pretty shocking stuff that happens at the end that, uh Yeah. It just, uh, that Pizone wasn't staying down. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, this movie did make me throw up. Uh, After the movie's over, did you go and get another Pizone? No. (laughs) No. No, but I, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I did go back and finish the movie, though. It was, uh, I was almost done. It was at the the end of the, the last chapter before the epilogue. So, but yeah, it's broken down into four chapters with a prologue at the beginning and an epilogue at the end. And it's about a couple who was too distracted to see their, uh, what, like two-year-old son? Something like that. Two or three years old, maybe. Kind of wandering around, gets himself into trouble and ends up tumbling out of a window. I will say this movie is uh, pornographic, uh, <laughs> and you get a good sense of that. Two minutes in, you see full uh, sexual penetration on a close-up, so mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're getting into there. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, that's the only one in the. It's the only shot in the whole film. Well, of insertion. <laughs> <laughs> there's 
There's plenty of uh, other shots of uh, full nudity, we'll mm-hmm. say. Uh, we'll get into it more in the spoilers. But yeah, so, you know, the, the wife takes it a lot harder than the husband. Is say what, that again. Is what it seems like. And the husband is, uh, he's a therapist, and he's not happy with how uh, Dr. Wayne is treating his <laughs> his wife. Now, there's only two characters in the whole movie that are named. One of them, the, uh, the child's name is Nick, and he dies right away. And then Wayne is never seen, but boy, does he get a, uh, you know, a, a bad reputation <laughs> if you listen to Willem Dafoe's character. But yeah, so he, he says, you don't need drugs. You need to accept the grief. You need to accept the pain. And, uh... Yeah, you kind of live it out with this couple as they, uh, she becomes more and more kind of inconsolable, uh, or unconsolable, however you say that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of becomes more and more animalistic. She wants to, uh, cover up her pain with sex. Mm-hmm. And, uh, meanwhile, he wants to put her into the position that she, is going to feel the most fear so that she can overcome it, you know, and realize it's not that bad. So, yeah, they end up uh, heading out into the woods, and shit gets real. Fucking weird. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, like I said, like, you feel pretty much every bit of anguish that, these two people are going through like i will give lars von sure that like he set out to make you fucking feel like shit Mm -hmm. and you know queasy and disturbed and just distressed at what you're watching and he does a fantastic job of that Mm -hmm. it's artistically shot very well you know it's it's it looks great um the cinemato- cinematography is great. And then it kind of just kind of morphs into this supernatural type of story. And, uh, oh boy, does he not hold back at some of the sexual violence that happens throughout the movie. So, very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like I said. Very extreme. Very extreme. Literally gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Stomach-turning. And, uh, well, for one of us, at least. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, honestly, if it weren't for a couple of things towards the end, I, I would have been fine with it. It's mm-hmm. just... It, it was actually one in particular that we'll get into in the spoilers that... like this. Oh, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. But uh, and it's I had heard about that before so i don't know if that made it better or worse because i'm like thinking that it's gonna come the the entire time i was just anticipating it so (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know if that was better or worse but yeah i i mentioned to you at work this isn't something that i would have watched otherwise Mm -hmm. uh it's something i probably would have skipped and uh, i don't plan on watching it again so um yeah, if you're looking for something that's truly disturbing and distressing and extreme, uh, you know, this this is for you, but uh, 
I'm going to give it a last resort. All right. It's a last resort. So, All right. Well, uh, so what are you going to challenge me to watch here? Wait, we got to put in the sound clip. This is a challenge. So I'm going to challenge you to something that's not quite as extreme. <laughs> really? It, <laughs> it has a little bit of the satanic... Uh, oh elements some of the satanic elements that mm-hmm. are similar to antichrist in a way but it's a it's a pg movie from the 70s starring peter fonda called race with the devil all right yeah i've been meaning to watch that hopefully which, it's still on shutter which i i have the blu-ray so if, if it's not just let me know but uh yeah i watched it for the first time like a year ago mm-hmm. i rated on the show as a uh a soonish because I really enjoyed it, and uh, so that'll be my challenge to you. Sorry, I can't make you puke, <laughs> but it's uh, I've seen Solo, so I can watch that, then you probably get through anything. I'm a masochist, but not that type of masochist. <laughs> All right, well, uh, before we get into spoilers, I'll kind of wrap up the show here. Please reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. You can check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at positivelywolf1. And please rate, review, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. I've been using Google Podcasts. Okay. So that's another one. You have some news about the uh, Teespring site and the got, promo code? We got merch at teespring.com slash stores slash WTM Watch This Movie. And Teespring assures me that the promo code HORROR is working on all items. So go ahead and use that to get 10% off your order. Uh, it is valid through the end of October. Uh, so go ahead. And then uh, I forgot to mention on the last show, we I put up some new merch, some new designs. Yeah, you did. We got a Halloween WTM logo, which looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, head sheriff in charge design. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to let everybody know that you're the HSIC, <laughs> you know, go hit that up. You get on a mug, a t-shirt, a hoodie, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, we don't care about any of these dumb Barney Fife style deputies. Mm-hmm. We only like HSICs. Yeah. So now you can be one. A bit more of the inside joke uh, can be heard on our Motel Hell episode, yeah. as well as Psycho 2. But uh, you got to spe- listen to the Motel Hell one first. Speaking of Psycho 2, I may or may not have a bonus design related to our psycho two episode (laughs) and it is for everybody who loves sandwiches and milk (laughs) (laughs) so uh that might be going up uh in the middle of the month kind of get uh as a bonus but uh okay you might be seeing a new sandwiches and milk design (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll be looking forward to that all right last uh chance to turn the episode off before we (laughs) talk about a very disgusting movie (laughs) called Antichrist.
All right. All right. So I, the two scenes in question, which I had heard about before, so I was anticipating them, which I it may have been worse because I was anticipating them, was uh, there's a scene where they're having sex and then Charlotte Gainsbourg freaks out and smashes uh, Willem Dafoe's junk with a, a log of wood. Mm-hmm. And then from, he passes out, but from his point of view, you see a full shot of her masturbating his dick until it comes bloody ejaculate all over her. That was bad. <laughs> okay, that that one really made my stomach churn. But later, there's a scene where they're back in the cabin after she's caught him as he tried to run away. And uh, they're lying side by side, and she takes the scissors out. And I had to look away as mm-hmm. she mutilated her, her uh, vagina with the scissors. Did a self-female circumcision. Yeah, I think the second one might even be worse in terms of it looks more real than the first scene you mentioned. Right. Like the special effects, like the, you know, fake skin and whatnot, because it's a, it's a close up shot and you see the scissors snip right through it. And then there's some blood. And uh, like I said, I had to look away from that one. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't even watch it. And then she's just sitting there bleeding and you know, she doesn't wear, uh, anything below the waist for like the last maybe 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. You can't really see it after that though. Cause you're, she's kind of in the fetal position. But she's just, just like bleeding sleeping. out, and it's like, yeah. oh. And I, I try to get through that, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, when did you have to leave to go throw up? Uh, I got to the point where he brought her out and started her on fire. Okay. Uh, and then I'm like, that's, you know, <laughs> it, it was, I don't know. Like, I. I I was getting nauseous watching it, and then it, cause it's that, and then the fucking deer with the, the goddamn stillborn hanging out of it, mm-hmm. like she's sitting there bleeding out, and the deer's there with the thing hanging out, and I don't know, it was just too much at that point. If I didn't eat right when I was watching it, I probably would have made it through mm-hmm. without throwing up, but. I don't know. Like I said, it was like a perfect storm. Well, didn't you finish the meal before you started the movie? No, I ate through the first like 20 minutes. Yeah, but the, those scenes don't come up until about an hour and 20 minutes in. Yeah, but my sh- fucking food's not digested <laughs> in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you made it sound like you were eating so slow. It like took you like the whole movie. And- no, no, I I was done. <laughs> Just snacking while you're watching. No. <laughs> No, that's not the case. No, I was done probably uh, around the time the prologue ended, maybe a little after the prologue ended, mm-hmm. maybe a couple minutes into chapter one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I got I, I got this fucking Pizone sitting in my stomach and then, you know, just <laughs> watching this lady just go fucking crazy. Yeah, it was uh, something else. I will say like, like I... I they said earlier, like from all that I could tell, his intention was to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible 
mm-hmm. uh, and not just from just like gross out shit like the uh, the genital mutilation at the end because mm-hmm. he he did a great job because fucking everything she did was painful to watch. Yeah, Jones and I both really like this movie a lot. And this is something we talked about, I think, on a previous episode. Like, how the hell do you rate a movie like this? Yeah. Now, for you, obviously, the reaction you had, you know, that's a perfectly fair rating you gave it. I think Jones and I probably both would have given it an ASAP. But it's like, well, how do you right. make that required viewing for somebody... Like our rating system is, I guess, geared towards the film lover, mm-hmm. not I guess the average moviegoer, more of a somebody who's more into film, right? Than the average person. Still, it's like, well, you know, we we, we think it people should see it, but at the same time, we can't really. I, I haven't I I haven't looked it up recently. What it's listed? I think we even talked about like I don't even know if we can list it like on the site. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Um, we probably put it at soonish, maybe, something like that. I mean, it's I guess it's incredibly well made, like from an artistic point of view. But uh, yeah, I have a feeling a lot of people would have adverse reactions, as bad or worse than probably worse than mine. Mm-hmm. Not just you know physically, but because like like I said, if I had watched it on an empty stomach, I. I would have made through. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I was cringed the whole time. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It was just uh, everything kind of added up to, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the perfect storm of making me throw up for the first time at a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Lars von Trier uh, has been very open about his struggles with depression mm-hmm. and uh, mental health in general. And, Antichrist is kind of known as the first of his unofficial depression trilogy. Because mm-hmm. it went this. His next film is Melancholia. Much more tame. <laughs> but about a woman's melancholia, basically. And then uh, Nymphomaniac was kind of the bookend to that. Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg is back for that one. And she's an nymphomaniac. <laughs> okay. Doesn't think very well of herself mm-hmm. or doesn't think very highly of herself um, in that one and so they're all kind of similarly themed but uh yes i guess he wrote antichrist uh during maybe one of his more severe bouts of depression i guess he was more or less hospitalized and he kind of wrote it in the hospital okay um to kind of give you a little bit of a background on it and uh this was obviously very controversial at can Charlotte Gainsbourg won Best Actress for it, which you can kind of see why. <laughs> I mean, if, if nothing else, they both committed 100% yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Although they didn't commit to the penetration. You know, they got body doubles for that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that that self-stimulation uh, was 100% her. Yep. And there's more of that in Nymphomaniac. Which, you know, which shall I say, it's pornographic. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of scenes in there that you would never see in a mainstream movie. Yeah. Which is obviously why it's unrated and you never see it in theaters and stuff like that. 
Um, like select theaters. But I don't know. That's that's one of the reasons too that it's like I don't know if I can tell people that they have to watch this. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the penetration is like okay, that's like three seconds. Yeah. And then there's like a couple seconds of her masturbating. But then, like, once they start, you know, ejaculating blood and mm. snipping vaginas. Oh, that's where you draw the line? Oh, come <laughs> on, Brad. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like, like, that's, that was uh, a little over the top in my opinion, mm. but, you know, it is what it is. It's also controversial, not just for the content, but for some of the subject matter and the, uh, some of the themes some people, some critics who didn't like it called it misogynistic because it turns out to be that Charlie Gainsbourg kind of turns into the psychotic villain of the film and you find out that she was actually abusing the child from an early age. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, towards the end, they kind of imply that she just let the kid die. Mm-hmm. Like, she saw him going up on the, the table and then she just let him... Th- Jump out the window. Yeah. Because she also, she claims uh, a crying woman is a scheming woman. Yeah, yeah. And then so there's, she kind of used her grief and the, then they, to uh, her advantage. They kind of imply, kind of imply that she's, you know, like almost a witch or satanic, mm-hmm. you know. Because she, uh, I forget her occupation, but she did a thesis and it was about uh, genocide Genocide, I mean, it's like a different... I gynocide. Gynocide, okay. I saw that. I was, like, I was like, did I pronounce it gin? Genocide? Well, I saw that. I'm like... That's it's like a gynecologist. That would make sense. That's not gynocide. how you spell genocide. <laughs> oh, shit. The next chapter is gynocide. I don't... <laughs> Here it fucking comes. Yeah. Uh, it seems like her character research different atrocities that have been committed towards women over the years yeah. and that she kind of agreed with it or thought that, yeah, we as women deserve it, that type of thing. Well, and like the more time she spent out in the woods too, like as you went through the journal, like the handwriting got less and less coherent and yeah. it just ends up being scribbles. And then mm-hmm. like, obviously when she was out there before something happened and she didn't come back the same. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different interpretations of this film. I don't agree with the misogynistic angle. I don't understand that either. I guess I don't see that. I see it more as, if anything, I see it more empowering for women because I think throughout the film it kind of shows kind of nature fighting against Willem Dafoe. It's almost like she represents Mother Nature because there's several scenes where she blends in to the earth literally Mm -hmm. with the images. Well, and d- there's other various animals that attack. All these fucking Lundifo. animals. That <laughs> fucking deer. Mm-hmm. That fucking deer. Yeah. The thing hanging out of it. The fox was. The fox eating sweet. itself. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Chaos <laughs> reigns. Best part of the movie. <laughs> and that crow. Yeah, it would not shut the wouldn't. fuck up. It wouldn't die either. Yeah. And then it kind of helps him. Because it's crowing or cawing, whatever you want to say, underneath the... By the wrench, by the yeah. Cat, by the wrench, and so that's how he finds the wrench. But, but then, did he, like, snap the things... Oh, I was confused, because I 
at that point, I think he snapped the thing's neck, and then like another one comes up, and like, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. It was weird. It, it there was like a snapping noise. Like he grabbed mm-hmm. it, and then it looked like he ripped its head off. But then there was another. Usually that thing just recuperated right away, or mm-hmm. there was another one just popped up, took its place. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe makes numerous mistakes and errors throughout the film. He's gonna treat. He's a. A, a psychiatrist a, a or a thera- psychologist? He's a therapist. Yeah, and he's going to treat his own wife, which he admits that you should never do. But That's in the, this case, it's different. <laughs> Who knows you better than I do? As you talked about the doctor earlier, he disagrees with all the doctor's orders, makes her pour out all of the medication she was prescribed by said doctor which, into the toilet. Which you shouldn't be doing that. You <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be quitting a cold turkey, and he should know that. Yeah, so he's making her... Stop the medication. He's going to treat her himself. And his idea of treatment is to, uh, in like the hardest time of her life, he makes her face her worst fears out, yeah. the, out the woods, yeah. in a secluded cabin. And it, I don't know, it kind of, and even sometimes, you know, he, she wants to have sex and he's like, no, that wouldn't be healthy. Right. And then he does it and he's like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I could have done. And it's like, well, <laughs> shouldn't have done it. Right. He, he uh, enables her in certain ways sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's uh, he's also attacked by nature in other ways. Remember that when he wakes up that morning and all those basically ticks it looked like were on over his hand? Yeah, I was wondering what the hell that was. Is it uh, almost sort of leech or tick. Okay, it almost looked like there was shit growing out of his hand. Yeah, because I wasn't sure if we were supposed to assume that in the middle of the night she woke up and then put his arm out the window or if he just supposedly put it out, rolled over in his sleep and it fell out there. Like almost like nature willed it. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the very end, the epilogue, when he's leaving, you see the hundreds of women coming up the hills towards him. Yeah. The faceless women. Yeah. Because I think that's kind of seen as all the faceless women that have, you know, been murdered or tortured or raped throughout human history. Mm. So I'm not sure if, all those women are there to like get even with him or like kill him or like they just kind of cut it off as they're walking up towards him. Right. Surrounding him. They're not running. They're just walking. Mm-hmm. They don't have weapons, but. And they just all come out of nowhere. It's very, I guess, poetic. You could come up with a lot of different interpretations to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like you said, it's one of the more one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen. The score is haunting. Yeah. It pairs perfectly with the visuals. For sure. And so, like, for a horror film, I think it's perfect in that it's fucking horrific. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of my favorite horror movies, as weird as that is to say. I, I really like Lars von Trier's work, and I think this is his most extreme, although House That Jack built is pretty extreme. But, you know, without the... Genital mutilation. <laughs> Although he does mutilate some things like bodies. I mean, that one, I like that kind of stuff, I, I generally can tolerate. You know, mm-hmm. it's just when you start fucking cutting up goddamn genitals. Yeah. And then he, he's, uh, he doesn't cut away. That's mm-hmm. part of it, too. He's like, most of the time. It's it's like midsummer. Also, I, I really like that. But like, there's some disturbing scenes where they don't fucking cut away when virtually every other mainstream uh, yeah, director when those heads would, are getting crushed away. in there. It's or yeah, yeah. 
that it's pretty uh pretty gnarly yeah so yeah it's 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 a unique movie something uh like i've never seen before uh but uh yeah i've always maybe a little too extreme for for mm-hmm. most yeah everyone i would even recommend it to which is rare <laughs> this isn't like something like uh you, know, you watch with uh your girlfriend or something or boyfriend you know rather yeah it's real heavy but it's yeah it's something that i would if i were to recommend it to someone I'm like oh there's some pretty extreme stuff in there i don't know if you know you should watch it necessarily mm-hmm. you know I'd, you had gotten a heads up from the podcast, but I had also told you it was pretty extreme. I forget. I think Neeling uh, re- reviewed it one time, but I can't remember if he spoiled those scenes or not. Yeah, I think I think he liked it. I think he gave it a last resort, too. Okay. I can't remember. Because he's like, yeah, I probably can't re- recommend this to anybody. Yeah. But yeah, he is, uh, Bonchir is definitely an auteur. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely more extreme than the uh, the other movie I've seen by him, which was Dancer in the Dark. Which I have yet to see. Which is also kind of depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, much less violent. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's it. I think we covered it. <laughs> Might have to edit out some of the, I don't know, I think we can only say bloody ejaculate so many times on... <laughs> an episode. <laughs> well, that's what happened. <laughs> All right, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. <laughs>